0: Shri Gauri गुरु Guru Paramparā ki Jai, Krantarā की ki Jai, o Reading from srimad Bhagavatam, First Kendo, Chapter 7, Verse 12. Parikshito rāja janma-karma-vilāpanam Samstam cha panduputranam Bakshe Krishna kotodhayam. Here, Sudhupa Swami continues his explanation to the sages of Naimisharanya, having explained that Vyasadev taught. Sukadev, his son, and the rishi, Srimad Bhagavatam. We heard that Vyasadev himself became enlightened with regard to bhakti and Bhagwan by the grace of Narada, and this gave rise to Srimad Bhagavatam. And then we heard that Sukadev also became a devotee and proceeded from Brahman realization to interest in bhakti and Bhagwan. And these are two, of course, of the, the principal speakers of the Bhagavatam. Vyasa is the legendary author of the text. He taught it to his son Sugadev. The point here is both of them is shown in the text became devotees before they spoke the text, wrote the text, in both cases for Vyas, before he heard the text, um, in the case of Sukadev. And Sukadev, as we mentioned yesterday, will become, as we'll see, one of the principal speakers of the Bhagavatam as well. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, tonight, the Raj Parikshit is introduced, the King Parikshit, to whom Sugrave will speak the Srimad Bhagavatam. So Srimad Bhagavatam is a speaking within a speaking within a speaking hmm, about Bhagwan and Bhakti. Hmm. And Bhagwan here principally means Krishna, Swami Bhagwan. Hmm. So Tarajar Sir. He says Bhakshay Krishna kotodayam. He says now. So it says, now I will speak about the king, the Raj,
1: Parikshit.
0: rajar hmm? sir. This is quite a contrast. We've gone from the Himalayas and the hermitage of Vyas on the banks of the Saraswati, in the groves of the Badri, the berries. That grow there. Hmm? And from the forest where Sukadev was residing, from which he came to the ashram of Vyas and heard the Bhagavatam, this is Rishi's life, sage's life, hmm? kind of like we live here, <laughs> out in the forest and uh, you can't see any other lights anywhere else, uh, anything else going on in the world and so forth. A serene, uh, peaceful uh, environment, conducive for, not for outward going mm, and interaction with sense objects, but for inward pursuit. So, in a, in a couple of words here, as this, this text tonight is introduced, we've gone from such a serene atmosphere to the complete antithesis, parikshito tarajar se. It is said, uh, now, Sutta says, now he will speak about the raj parikshit. Raj means a king, so the king is the antithesis of the uh, renounced and sagely life of uh, uh, aloofness, from the world and so forth. The king, the implication of the king idea here in Bhagavatam is the personification of world, worldliness. Hmm? Sitting on the throne, perhaps he has a harem uh, and uh, all worldly things at his disposal. He is the king. Hmm? Indeed, this was uh, very much the case with regard to Raj Pariksit. Indeed, uh, I say because he was a king amongst kings. He was the emperor of his time, as the story goes. Hmm? And along with the Raj Pariksit, it says here that Janma Karma Bilapanam Samsta Cha Pandu Putranam. Hmm? I want to speak about his Janma, his Karma. In his bilap, hmm? I want to speak about his birth, his activities, and his end. Some stone, along with that, of the Pandavas, who are the elders of Parikshit Maharaj, amongst whom Arjuna is famous from the Bhagavad Gita, and who Parikshit Maharaj is the grandson of. So here we find Arjuna from the Bhagavad Gita is introduced for the first time in Srimad Bhagavatam and his brothers, the Pandavas. Hmm? Um, it's it said here, Samstam Cha Panduputranam. Hmm? He's going to talk about the Samstam and the Vilap here. The Vilap, as I said, means the end. It could mean that the, 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 the the uh, the death of parikshit march and some can mean also the end or the termination the finish the death of the pandavas the march to death of the pandavas but also it, these words um imply a a an alternate kind of finish hmm? a death of an, an ego death that gives rise to uh, in, enduring life. Hmm? Um, and, and and this is the story of the devotees. Hmm? And he says, What? I'm going to speak about the Pandavas, I'm going to speak about Raj Pariksit, I'm going to tell the stories about devotees. Hmm? Vakshay Krishna Kotodayam, and Krishna kotta Udayam. Such topics such discussion of the lives of devotees will udayam, udayam is like rising, like the rising of the sun. It will give rise to Krishna-katha, mm-hmm. to talk about Krishna. Because, why? Mm-hmm. There is no difference, in one sense, between the devotees and Krishna. They embody love of Krishna. And Krishna is the object of of love that corresponds with the love that they embody, in other words, love requires an object to repose itself in. Hmm? You cannot have the object of love without the lover, you cannot have love without the object of love, just like you can't have the teacher without the student. There's not much meaning to a teacher without students, or not much meaning to students without teacher. There's a oneness hmm? um, between them there's a difference too. Hmm? So, but here we're emphasizing the oneness. Love of Krishna and Krishna correspond with one another. In that sense, they're one. So, therefore, to be sure, discussion of the devotees of Krishna gives rise to discussion of of Krishna. That's why we say, for example, that you cannot talk about Gorlila. The Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without talking about Krishna Leela. That's not possible. Hmm? Because Gore is Krishna in his Leela, his divine play of of being a devotee of himself. Hmm? And so the more you look at Gore Leela, the more you find Krishna Leela.
1: Hmm?
0: So here is a book. It is about Bhagavan, Srimad Bhagavatam. We're hearing a long introduction about what the book is about, where it comes from, what its history is, and so forth. And we're learning now that it's about Bhagawan, and it, it it is about Bhagavan's uh, devotees. So many topics now about devotees. In his commentary on this verse, Prabhupada says that there are many types of uh, Puranic histories but if they do not point to Krishna and they do not give rise to talking about Krishna, he says, they're mundane. Hmm? <laughs> it's a strong statement. Hmm? Um, they may be, he says, Puranic histories, but if they do not give rise to talking about Krishna, they're mundane. So from this we should understand that the stories of Srimad Bhagavatam, all of which, directly or indirectly, they're all... Uh, placed in the text for the purpose of giving rise to discussion about understanding about Krishna. And that means discussion about understanding about bhakti, which is, as I say, non-different from Krishna. It's one and different from Krishna at the same time. Hmm? So this, I want to say, is what is important in the text. These, This is what the stories are meant to bring out. There are many wild stories, fantastic stories, in the Bhagavatam, it, we're, and one is coming up right here, hmm? in this and the, the next chapter. Hmm? This chapter will, the balance of this chapter will be about, um, it's a, be- a beginning discussion of how Raj Pariksit took birth hmm? and how in the womb he was protected from the the great weapon, uh, the hurled by Ashvatthama, uh, which you could get distracted by and think, Wow, and just see the book is talking about these like nuclear like weapons. At the time of the Vedic culture, it was a great culture, it was better than today's culture, it had all the modern things. Eh. this is not what the book's about. <laughs> this is not what the book's saying. You know, as we'll hear the story as we as we go on with we'll here, it's speaking about the greatness of Parikshit Marsh and how Krishna feels about his devotees.
1: Hmm?
0: The text will speak in the balance of this chapter. Uh, which starts to introduce that topic of the history surrounding the birth of Pariksit Maharaj. It will will focus on topics that have already been discussed to some extent. The transcendental nature of Krishna and his shakti in relation to his maya shakti. Hmm? This will come up Hmm? Um, on the high end. And in the low end of this chapter, in this narration, we'll find a very interesting discussion of how morality cannot be determined in any given instance without the application of reasoning.
1: Hmm?
0: A lot of people think the moral laws are there. There they are. And they've got to be followed. And and then today, laws that were written down that were moral laws of times gone by, for example, often don't seem to have the same force and application in new and different times and people attach themselves to them, and morality then, based on such scriptural statements, whether it be Hindu scriptures or the, or the Abrahamic scriptures, whatever, seem to be outdated and unreasonable. Hmm? But here we find a very interesting discussion in the chapter where there's a moral conundrum. Conundrum? Hmm? A moral dilemma. Hmm? That arises where the, where there is the uh, the mandate that one should not kill a Brahmin, hmm, and the mandate that one should kill an aggressor,
1: hmm.
0: and the aggressor was a Brahmin. Hmm. So, it has to be thought about. Hmm, it has to be reasoned about, and so forth. Hmm. Uh, and Krishna tests. Arjuna here in this uh, this this narrative, what is his understanding? Is he a black and white um, uh, religious person without any nuance who does not apply reason to his uh, spiritual understanding in a dynamic way to come up with um, um, a moral mandate um, uh, that, that um, makes Sense in a given instance is he, is he is he just a black and white religious fanatic? does it have any power to think with nuance and balance opposing apparently opposing laws hmm? they weren't made to be opposing Brahmins aren't supposed to be aggressors and murderers hmm? but here one was. what do we do now? this see this is the way the law actually works. I've given the example before of how Prabhupada used to speak about the uh, the sacred texts like Bhagavatam and the Gita as the law books, and that has a certain. Uh, it maybe conjures up something in the mind, for many of us when we were young, it conjured up the idea that here are all the laws; it's all worked out. Hmm? You quote the scripture, and there you know there it is. Um, but if you take that metaphor, as I've explained previously, and you play it out further, you find that in law books, um, while the law is written down, it's not written in stone because new circumstances arise which requires new laws. Hmm? Interpretation of previous law and legal precedents in a new and unique circumstance. This never happened before. A Brahman is an aggressor, for example, in this, this instance. What do we do now? You can't turn to what page one hundred eight. And there's the there's the answer and, and you don't have to think anymore. Hmm? So in, in a sense, this chapter is, is also telling us this is not spiritual life is not an excuse for not thinking. Hmm? Yes, the Bhagavatam gives a good bashing to the intellect. Hmm? It tells us, reason does not belong on the altar. It's not the deity hmm? that gives the ultimate, uh, any conclusive uh, in in, in an ultimate sense of um, understanding. hmm? Reason will always have another reason, uh, uh, another way of thinking about it and so forth. Uh, Tarko, a pratishtana, it is said in the sutras, By by reason, by argumentation, one gets no real standing. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't apply argumentation in relation to the sacred text for understanding its meaning and its implication in different times, different times and places, and circumstances, and so forth. Hmm? That we call shastra yukti, not as opposed to cable yukti, unbridled reasoning. Just we have a lot of that in the modern Western society, and philosophy just goes anywhere. anywhere hm uh no but exercise reason in relation to uh revelation and the idea the reasonable idea that that if for comprehensive knowing hm uh, or perfect knowing a perfect method is required and the perfect method is really the folding of one hand one's hands and the, and accepting the idea that uh, there 's something greater than myself it 's reality i 'm a part of it, but if it does not choose to reveal itself to me, then I have no hope of understanding it with my feeble um, instruments of, of, of mind, intellect, senses, and so forth so there 's a there 's a healthy place, a huge um, room for applying one 's intellect in spiritual life and there 's and 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 it also has its uh, limitations so here in this chapter we find such things hmm? this is to draw out now the essence of what the story is uh, one of the story one of the essences within the story the story is leading up to and describing the birth of parikshit which is miraculous extraordinary hm and so on and so forth um but there are lessons as i say within that and the lesson isn't that you know the Brahmasta weapon was like uh you know equivalent to the nuclear weapons and just see the vedic culture was more technologically evolved than the modern society we don't want to be more technologically evolved than <laughs> the society that could be that's part of the the, the problem hmm? uh using scientific uh, uh facts technologically mer- merely for a material Materialistic life. This is not the advocacy of the Bhagavatam. Hmm. As I said before, the, not that the Indians have passed. The Hindus were were illiterate. Certainly, they were quite uh, thoughtful and insightful. They they invented or whatever, discovered or came up with the number zero, without which we couldn't do any math, have any physics or any science. But they weren't uh, bent on using. Um, science or math for the same purposes that we often are uh, today, for further exploitation of the world, for material comfort, um, and so forth. So, uh, many stories now are going to come, as I said. The rest of this whole canto, which involves a number of chapters, is all about uh, Krishna Leela, the Pandavas, uh, it's very beautiful. I, as I say Arjuna is being introduced here by way of the Pandavas being introduced, and um, this is—he's the primary character of the Gita. When I wrote my edition of the Gita, the angle that I took on it, as, as most of you know, was that this is a an event, the speaking of the Gita by Krishna to Arjuna, in the life of Krishna and Arjuna. It's one event. It took about an hour. Hmm? But there's more to his life than that hour. This book is the more. Srimad Bhagavatam is in a sense the sequel to the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. And by studying the more, we get a context. What was happening in Krishna's life and Leela with Arjuna at the time the Gita was spoken? We're taken really as the narrative now begins, really of Krishna Lila,
1: hmm?
0: you see Vyas is not directly in Krishna Lila, Sukadeva is not directly in Krishna Lila. We're going to Parikshit Maharaj now, hmm? and the Pandavas before him, hmm? his elders, Arjuna's, they were in, they were direct participants in Krishna Leela. Hmm? so. Sutta Goswami wants wants to take us there, and and here, then, as I say in Bhagavatam, we find the whole the, the life of Krishna.
1: Hmm?
0: We so it, 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 where does it pick up here? This narrative. Well, it picks up where the Gita leaves off, in one sense, but in terms of the narrative, we're right here now in the battle of Kurukshetra, is where the the, the text begins the narrative. Hmm? And as we'll see, Ashvatama kills the sons of Draupadi. Duryodhana, the opposition to Arjuna, is even even appalled by that. Huh? Uh, and so on and so forth. So, uh, uh, by understanding the context, there was the Kurukshetra war, we get a little bit of, from the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, Ashwatthama is mentioned, Duryodhana is mentioned, some of these people are going to be mentioned now. Hmm? Uh, devotees and opposition to the devotees, and so forth. But the greater context of his whole, Krishna's whole leela is played out, hmm. and then we understand well. Hmm. What is he doing? If we understand that, we can get some. This is the angle I took in my Gita edition. We might get some insight into what he's saying in the Gita. There might be underlying themes there. Just like if you know me very well. Hmm. When I speak, you're going to get something out of what I say that somebody who doesn't know me doesn't get. I might tell a joke that only persons who know me would really get in the context of explaining a particular point. Hmm? So, in my Gita edition, we try to locate Krishna. He's at Gurukshetra. And we brought up the question Was he ever there before? Indeed, he was. Hmm? That you will Milan. And this is the whole Ratha Yatra, the meeting of Radha and Krishna in in uh, in Kurukshetra and so forth. is so central to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leela. Hmm? This is the, the crescendo of, in one sense, of Krishna consciousness is is, is reached in the uh, Krishna admits Mit's. One of the places which in which which Krishna admits to uh, his. Uh, his uh, dependence on the love of Radha and so forth. Hmm? So much to be learned from about Krishna and, and what he means in Bhagavad Gita from study of Srimad Bhagavatam. Here's beautifully where we pick up in the, in the Bhagavatam with the narrative, hmm? literally where the Gita lives, leaves off, and philosophically where the Gita uh, leaves off. He says leaves off sarva dharma and jama raja. So give up dharma. And Bhagavatam begins, uh, what is it? Uh, dharma projita kaita satam. It's saying the same thing. Hmm?
1: Hmm.
0: You see, it's saying this is not an ordinary religious book. This is a book about, that is transcendentally spotless. Hmm? It's about the atma and how the atma can satisfy the, the paramatma. Or Bhagwan, mm. uh, Yayatma. some procedure mm. by which that Self, that Atma, can become fully satisfied himself. So beautiful, mm. and beautiful in light of what's been discussed uh, earlier as well, the necessity <coughs> for revealing the realization of Vyas and the realization of Sugadev, the principal speakers of the Bhagavatam, before going on with the text, that we might have some context. Hmm? Their devotees, as I say, uh, Vyasa's trance was revealed, and so forth. So that gave rise to the writing of the Bhagavatam. So we have a, a, a reference point, a hub, as I like to say, by which to understand all the different verses that might be interpreted in a different way. Hmm? No, they have to be understood in a devotional context because they arose out of the devotional experience in trance, the, the bhakti experience, the love experience, uh, if you will, of wise love and transcendence of bias. And as we've just heard Sugadev also. Hmm? He came from Brahman realization, a realization, a position of knowledge, but not a position of transcendental love. Hmm? Only abstract love in as much as Knowledge um, is such that it plays itself out in the form of not acting in ignorance, which would be, from the Vedanta perspective, acting in terms of attachment to things. Hmm? So, taking things is not very loving. Not taking things
1: is—it's
0: mm, not not loving. Hmm? But is it loving? in the full sense of the term, you understand? If I don't exploit, that's good, if I don't steal, that's good, but, but does it mean I'm a lover? <laughs> if I'm not a thief, I'm not a thief. It's very good. Hmm? Does that make you a lover? Well, I don't take things from people. I don't do bad things. Kind of, you know, in a very abstract, indirect sense. Hmm? So Bhagavatam wants to take it further. Hmm? This is what happened to Sukadev. This is what happened to Vyas we just heard. And now Pariksit. Pariksit, as we'll hear, is the person from whom the king, the worldly person, the huge contrast now between what was Sukadev was just spoken of and Vyas, these rishis living naked or almost naked in the forest and so forth, eating roots and fruits and so forth. To the king, you can imagine, on a big golden platter, what, what, what his um, epicurean sensibilities were, and so forth. Um, hmm. So, he is the one who Sukadev will speak the Bhagavatam to. One of the, th- as we'll hear, one of the things that this means to us, of course, is that this worldliness and attachment to it that a king personifies is something that's easily overcome by bhakti. In other words, attachments to things which seem very difficult to give up will easily be given up hmm, by hearing the topics about Krishna who who stands then before us as a much more perfect object to attach ourselves to, hmm, to identify ourselves with and the identity that arises out of such attachment to Krishna, attachment to satisfying Him, hmm? uh, because He's obviously the enjoyer. If you can't beat Him, you join Him. Hmm? I tried to be an enjoyer. Now, hearing about Him, I, this, this is this is where the enjoyment should go. This is where it belongs. Hmm? See the kind of devotees, prema madhurya, that surround Him. Hmm? how wonderful they are, how full their life is through giving. Hmm? I must do that. And the smallness, then, and you have an identity there, the smallness of material life, and the taking, the attachment, the acquisition, and so forth, all becomes so petty hmm? in comparison. So this is one of the messages. Hmm? And of course we'll learn that Parikshit Maharaj, while he does represent worldliness in one sense, he's also a great devotee. Hmm? So the listener of the Bhagavatam is also saintly. Therefore, uh, Parikshito Tarajar here. He's a called a Raja rishi He's a rishi too of, of sorts. Hmm? Hmm? And it also tells us the power of Bhagavat, the power of bhakti is such that you may even surround yourself with... Uh, material assets and so forth and not be affected by them.
1: Hmm?
0: Example sometimes given of taking the fangs out of the serpent then there's no need to kill the serpent. Hmm? Hmm. So he was a great devotee and we'll hear about this now as we go on. Um, uh, his name Parikshit means inquirer. Hmm? So uh, uh, as we'll hear he had an experience in the womb of Krishna. And as he, when he took birth, he was inquiring about that. What was that? Hmm? And of course, he became ultimately the inquirer from uh, Sukadeva when he learned that he had seven days to live. Hmm? He exhibited bhava, chantir. Chantir it was one of the symptoms of bhava, forbearance. He sat down for seven days and seven nights fasting from food and drink to hear the Bhagavatam. In the face of cause for disturbance, this is Chanti. Chanti. In the face of cause for disturbance, he was undisturbed. Hmm? So we also learn he was a great devotee. So all the principal speakers of the Bhagavatam, as we'll see as we go on, and all the principal listeners, They're all devotees. (laughs) The book's about Bhakti and about Bhagawan. There's no um, getting around that. Hmm? So it's a great, uh, it's a a beautiful story as we build up here. As I said, it it culminates at the end of this canto, the first canto, with Sugadeva appearing on the scene. Hmm? And the second canto begins Sugadeva's narrative. So the book is trying to orient us towards Um, all of this and um, so with the closing of the explanation of Vyasa's trance the implications of that the education of Sukadev, now Sukadev's student is introduced from whom we have much to learn as I said um, he had seven days the story goes uh, to live cursed to die in seven days And uh, even though, although he could have, by his standing and devotion, counteracted the curse, he accepted it. Hmm? And thus the Bhagavatam is spoken. And of course the idea is here, metaphorically speaking, that we all have seven days to live. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's it. In one of those days we will die. So we should pay attention Hmm? To what's important, I was speaking with Chaitanya Daya this evening and she was telling me, she had told me previously that she had interest, she's training to be a nurse, in working in a hospice, uh, you know, for, for devotees mm, uh, who are uh, in, in the, in the uh, final stages of their life and passing from the world. And I had talked to her about how we wanted to um, establish a hospice, hospice in, uh, at Saragrahi in time. And how a lady has offered me some land for that um but she said that she was well, did some work in a hospice, and she found it to be very disconcerting. but the reason was because people were watching baseball and uh uh soap operas and, and, and with her philosophical and spiritual orientation, it was very disconcerting to see they're dying, and these are the these are the things that they're being fed, so to speak. By the hospice to be preoccupied with how how uh, disappointing
1: uh,
0: uh, some compassion in her was rising up for these these people are dying for God's sake I mean this isn't time to think about you know who who eloped and you know, who who cheated on who in the soap opera you know and who who won the you know the game last night and so forth uh, <laughs> and of course the message of the Bhagavatam is. This is what we should be preoccupied with seven days a week. Mm. Like Raj Parikh mm. Seven days a week. Tw- tw- well, 24-7, basically. <laughs> to the extent that, that I- I- the implication is it's more important than eating. It's more important than drinking. It's more important than sleeping. I don't think you can probably live without... Can you live for, without drinking water for seven days? You can't. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's making a point here, you see. Hmm? Yeah. It's saying, better you died. Hmm? You'd be better off having never been born if you lived your life for eating, drinking, and sleeping at the cost of being preoccupied with what life is really about and that is death life is about death living is about dying hmm? at its inception biological inception hmm? life has begun to die this is the great of course uh, ongoing and forever uh, mystery and bhagatam is all about solving that mystery hmm? Sugadev had solved the problem. That's the implication of his nakedness, as he appears, as he will on, on the scene. Hmm? He had no attachments. What's the problem then for dying? Hmm? We're troubled with the idea of death because there are things that we think we we'll, we will lose, and we have an identity that's based on having those things, and so it's very disconcerting. I'm I'm losing my identity. Hmm? Of course, that's a false identity. Hmm? Uh, an illusory identity, a brain identity, <laughs> if you will, if you want a, a brain neuron identity uh, uh It's the reflection only of consciousness in mind that has correspondence, correlation with brain functions and so forth. It's not you, it's a bundle of experiences. But the I, the, uh, the you, the me that's there, that's illusory. But that doesn't mean there isn't an I. Hmm? These were, I believe, the terms that um, William James used to refer me and I to refer to me the conventional ego. I am a Hindu. I am a Catholic. I am a man. I am a woman. I am a American or whatever it may be. Hmm? Uh, and the I, that conventional ego, that, that's. That's uh, that's uh, that's we have to dis- dismantle, but the I—that is another thing altogether. Hmm? Experiential existence itself. you say that experiential existence in is, is an illusion, we would rather say that ma- that matter is an illusion.
1: Hmm?
0: That—that's what, what Max Planck, a famous physicist, said when he accepted the ma- the uh, Nobel Prize. It was quite a few years back, but I don't think he changed his position. That was 1947. Hmm. This was his message to the to the to the uh, audience who gave him the, the Nobel Prize. There is no matter. In the sense that what we experience as matter is only an illusion. Consciousness is everything. Hmm. People try to solve the problem how consciousness can influence matter. There's a what do they call it? A gap? A um, A some kind of gap, or causal gap or something like that. Uh, how can something if something is different from matter in, in substance influence matter? You know? there's another way to look at it. It's con- all consciousness. <laughs> uh, of course, we say there is there is there is there is a matter, but we say it's dependent on the consciousness. Hmm? The matter is dependent on consciousness for it to matter. Hmm? Uh, something like that. So anyway, this is the approach the Bhagavatam takes. And uh, it's uh, it's not outdated. Hmm. So from the Raj Priksit, we have much to learn. From Sukhadev, we have much to learn by their examples, the, their character in, in, in the text, the metaphorical implications of how they're portrayed, and so on and so forth. Hmm. This is how we should read the book, draw from it, essential message, and go to sleep at night. Uh, with, with this in mind, wake up, dream about it, and wake up with it in, in, in the morning at least. It's hard to pay attention enough hmm, that you're interested enough in the subject, like what's going to happen tomorrow?
1: Hmm.
0: Or in the next discussion.
1: Hmm?
0: I remember when I first was introduced to Bob with them and we were giving classes and that was my thing, what's going to happen tomorrow?
1: <laughs> you
0: know, this is like the this is the, was the, the you know re- replacing the soap operas or you know the newspapers or what's what's happening next? You want to get up and make sure and check the check the paper. You know what's happening in the world. And I was thinking, what's the next class going to be? Is it going to be a four-headed guy or a four-armed guy or you know or what? You know, <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is an incredible uh, uh, text. And what will be the implications of that and so forth? So. Goes to bed excited about it, naturally dreams about the implications, and wakes up chanting the Joppa and going to the Mongol Arctic. We used to have Bhagavatam class every morning thinking, "Wow, start my day with the news, you know, what, what, what's happening? So this is how, this is the life of a sadhaka. Now we may, you know, have the sadhana maybe slightly different in different circumstances, but this is the implication. Life of the sadhaka. This is how we can apply ourselves. We can't sit down for seven days and night and fast from food and drink without being disturbed or dying a, a biological death without water. Hmm? So the story is it, it, but how, how, so how we will apply this? This is how we will apply this as a sadhaka. Hmm? Not artificially to become a, a parikshit in a in sense, but become an inquirer. Interested enough in the topic hmm, that the mind becomes preoccupied with that twenty four seven. This is required hmm, for getting real experience of what the, this, uh, what is the subject of Srimad Bhagavatam, which is you, hmm, what you are, hmm, you in your full potential, you in terms of what you can be, given. That through Guru Parampara, Bhakti, and the Bhagwat, and Bhagwan, thereby has reached out to you. Hmm? Know me, and know everything, hmm? and be fully satisfied. This is what he's saying. Any question? Yes. He totally accepted the curse and gave up everything because he wanted to find out what the real purpose of life
1: was. And most people in our situation think they know everything. <coughs> Their purposes are our purposes. You know, the kings just walked
0: away to find out that he had everything but he still didn't have the purpose of life. Right. He had everything. He was That's the idea. He was a man who had everything, but he didn't have anything. Hmm? But he had the wherewithal to accept the curse as negative impetus from the world to go the distance for comprehensive knowing, which is bhakti and loving. So he, he took the, he didn't think he didn't try to fight the curse. The implication is you can't fight. The, you're you're we're all cursed to die in seven days. <laughs> this is as I said earlier. In one of these seven days, we're all cursed. You can't fight it. Hmm? Yes, that's not possible. So surrender to that. Hmm? Make something out of that. You know, it's said, well, hmm? in the storm, you're either going to take shelter, and wait it out, or learn to dance in the rain. Hmm? So the latter <laughs> is better. This is the idea of bhakti. Learn to dance in the rain. Take negative impetus. There's positive impetus for spiritual life, by good sangha, and there's negative impetus. So, put them together, and you have all the fuel you need to go the distance. krantarasumad bhagatam